So what's going on in the Penn State wide receiver room? You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That is promo code LOCKED at the Upside app. My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks so much for joining me wherever you get your podcasts and now on YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Locked on Nittany Lions, search it up, hit subscribe, hit the bell to turn on notifications, and please like this video, comment any feedback, share any questions so that I can answer them in future episodes. I don't care what if it, what it's about, football, men's basketball, men's hockey, wrestling, all these Penn State sports are kicking butt and taking names, so I'm happy to discuss any and all of them with you, uh, but yes, please do comment and like the video but thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate the support. Uh, so we are going to devote our first segment today uh, to the wide receiver group. And it's not really the, all that controversial, but uh, stuff's going on in the recruiting trail. Parker Washington, uh, What? how serious is the injury we find out today in James Franklin's Tuesday weekly press conference. And there's just going to be some changes coming to that group, uh, given the fact that Mitchell Tinsley has to move on. He doesn't have any more eligibility. What is the status of Keandre Lambert-Smith? Who are the up-and-coming wide receivers that we have or haven't seen on the football field yet? So I feel like that's important uh, to address all of it. And then also in this episode, as promised, give an update on the Penn State men's basketball team, who is fresh off the Charleston Classic before they play Lafayette this upcoming Friday. And we'll finish the show with Penn State wrestling and a couple updates on Penn State women's soccer and Penn State field hockey as they were just in the NCAA tournament. How did they do? Where did they finish? Okay, so Penn State football, the wide receiver core. The state of this wide receiver room is, I think it's fairly good. The Penn State wide receiver room has had to take on a new identity since Jahan Dotson left, went to the NFL, was taken in the middle of the first round by the Washington Commanders, and that is a lot to replace. We know that. Uh, but it's really been spread out over the wide receiver group, which I was kind of anticipating because Parker Washington was just deemed as the number one wide receiver, even though by design, this offense uh, doesn't make the slot wide receiver the focal point in the offense, even though Parker Washington is the most talented wide receiver in the room. Uh, that is devoted to the Z wide receiver. The Z wide receiver is the number one guy, and that's Mitchell Tinsley. It's a very difficult position and involves a lot of option routes. Uh, you have to be very smart. You have to be on the same page. Uh, so for Mitchell Tinsley to come in uh, the way he has, and he's had a, a very modest season. He, he's been solid. Uh, he hasn't done uh, everything that Jahan Dotson did. But I think for him to come in and establish the amount of chemistry that he has with Sean Clifford and to learn this Penn State offense uh, has been pretty noble of him to do. Uh, but what is this wide receiver room going to look like in 2023, especially since we know that Parker Washington is hurt? 
and and it's not just he's banged up. Like it, this could be a very legitimate injury from what I'm gathering. Look, I'm gonna buy into the rumors on social media that it's a it's a broken foot or it's a season-ending injury, and that's something that is going to prevent him from going to the NFL at least immediately, unless scouts say otherwise. But we'll get to that in just a second. How about we look really towards the future? So in yesterday's episode, go check that out. Eight takeaways from Penn State's win over Rutgers 55 to 10. Plus, I give you that update on the decommitment. I'm going to share it again here. Johnny Shakir out of New Jersey goes to Winslow Township. Uh, Already talked about yesterday how Bill Belton, former Penn State running back, is the head coach of that school. So come on, coach. What gives? Kidding. I am kidding. These kids make personal decisions. Uh, if something went wrong or he feels that he would be better suited at another university, I totally get it. Okay. It happens. Uh, but it does hurt Penn State. You know, this was a four star wide receiver. He was top 50 in the class of 2023, six foot, 175 pounds. So what I, I would imagine that he's kind of that mid tier uh, kind of guy. He, he could be either a, a size slot receiver, but I, I imagine him more on the boundary. I can't imagine that Penn State would have brought him in to be the Y, the slot receiver. He would have either been an X or a Z. Uh, but this stings because Carmelo Taylor is the only wide receiver verbally committed, and I would like to think that he's going to stay with the class. I hope that he doesn't decommit because he is the only wide receiver. So uh, Penn State, it is the utmost priority that they keep him. So what is Penn State doing now that Shakir has decommitted? Uh, and I don't think there are I don't I don't think there's going to be a rebound here that he's going to change his mind and Penn State's going to welcome him back. Uh, I think that he's going to commit somewhere else. But Rodney Gallagher has now emerged. Rodney Gallagher, that name sounds really familiar. Yes, because he was the prized Pennsylvania recruit that ultimately shunned Penn State for West Virginia, and he's still currently verbally committed there. But why is Rodney Gallagher coming up at this point in November when National Signing Day is in about two weeks here? Yeah, it's in mid-December. It is coming up fast, and we will definitely have coverage, shows, episodes devoted to all of the commits for Penn State once they are officially signed. And he's verbally committed to West Virginia. Uh, he received a lot of preliminary NIL offers. Uh, it's close to home. He grew up going to West Virginia football games. So I totally understand the sentimental fact. Plus, if you're going to make a good amount of cash, look, we can debate NIL and what it means and if it's uh, a fair game, if it's good for the sport. And I'm happy to have that conversation all day in the comments, by all means. But uh, it's here and it's going to stay, and it's not going to go anywhere. So it's just the nature of the game now. You have to adapt. It's the game within the game, besides the point. Uh, this is a top 30 wide receiver nationally. Now, Why is he taking a visit to Penn State? Well, Neil Brown, who's the head coach at West Virginia, is on the hot seat. 25 or 25 losses through four seasons, only 21 wins. So a record of 21 and 25. West Virginia just fired its athletic director. And normally when the athletic director gets fired, that really doesn't spell good news for any of the coaches, most particularly the football coach. So Neil Brown's on the hot seat to begin with. When they bring in a new athletic director, typically that athletic director, that AD is going to bring in his own guy, his or her own guy. And I don't know. I don't think that Neil Brown's going to be sticking around. I think that Rodney Gallagher, as much as he likes West Virginia, I think he's thinking about long-term. What is this going to do for my football career? And I liked Penn State. I was under the impression that Rodney Gallagher, like Penn State, is a close second, but NIL 
at West Virginia was just a little more money with some of the collectives involved. Uh, it's it, it came down to dollars, and there were probably some other things being close to home. But Penn State, uh, he probably really liked the place, or else he wouldn't be coming to the Penn State-Michigan State game uh, this Saturday. This really does mean something this late in the recruiting cycle. Uh, Penn State definitely was his second choice. He had a top four, but I think it really came down to West Virginia and Penn State. Uh, and he could flip now. Now that there's an open scholarship from Shakir's decision, uh, there's an extra spot and Penn State needs a wide receiver. So they're definitely texting him, calling him, uh, going after him with a lot of effort here. Uh, I think this is a huge get. If they can somehow replace Shakir's presence with the potential of Rodney Gallagher, that is a home run for the class of 2023 and James Franklin's group, especially given how defensive dominant, and that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but you do not have as many offensive weapons in this class uh, as you would like. You have plenty of defenders, which is awesome, uh, but you don't have as many guys to score touchdowns uh, in this case. Now, overall, that's really looking at the future, and you have to base it. So these guys are important now because you get them to sign, but how much of an impact are they going to have two to three years down the road? So you got to be weights. Uh, you got to wait. So what is the present outlook of Penn State in the wide receiver core. Well, Parker Washington, if this injury is very serious and I expect him to stay for another season, if that is the case, if Parker Washington does in fact have a broken foot or any sort of, uh, any sort of long-term injury, he's not going to go to the NFL. He's, uh, he's not going to sacrifice what he had when he was fully healthy. Some places were giving him first round grades, second round grades, as low, I think, as a third round grade, but he started to slide into that first and second round conversation, which is great. But if he does have this serious of an injury, it's going to force him to miss the combine and really miss out on some money uh, if he decides to go in the NFL draft. But that is this, his decision. Uh, if it's not as serious, he will move on because this is the time to do it when you are ranked as high as you are. But he'll listen to the scouts and get that feedback. Mitchell Tinsley, as I mentioned, has to move on. He doesn't have any more eligibility. Keandre Lambert-Smith is going to stay. He still needs to develop, even though he's been with the program a little longer. Uh, we just haven't seen him have that overall breakout that we are expecting of him. He's insanely talented. Some injuries have held him back this season because we've seen that potential. He's flashed that, but he's definitely got to come back for another season. Uh, I think Penn State will definitely use the transfer portal because – I don't know if they feel as confident in one of their Z receivers because that is what Mitchell Tinsley is vacating when he moves on. Options, Amari Evans, former three-star commit out of Texas in this class of 2022, they believe that he's the guy. Now, that's just what I've heard. He's supposedly to be that next guy, like a Jahan Dotson type. Uh, they're not comparing him to Jahan Dotson, but in terms of the responsibility, the feature wide receiver, a guy that can do it all. Uh, Penn State really likes this kid, but is he going to be ready? He did enroll early this past January, which has helped him in his development. You've seen all the guys, all the guys that enrolled early. They're the ones that are playing on the football field. Uh, just, just FYI, the, all those freshmen you see, a lot of them enrolled early. Um, but Amari Evans is supposed to be that next man up, like that next superstar, uh, if he continues to develop properly. Uh, and then there's Christian Driver. Okay, so is Christian Driver going to be a Z? Is he going to be an X? I don't think he'll be a slot, but he's making the switch from defensive back to wide receiver over the course of this offseason. Uh, Dad, Donald Driver, of course, played for the Green Bay Packers, so we know that it's in his blood. And James Franklin coached 
Donald Driver once upon a time when he was with the Packers coaching staff. So all of this makes sense, but he's played a lot of defensive back, which we've seen defensive backs that go to wide receiver or vice versa. Wide receivers that go to defensive back do have that edge because they played both sides of the football and understand each position and the ticks of both sides. So I, I won't totally sell out here and say that, oh, it's definitely driver because he's got the, you know, past family in the NFL. Uh, he, he's got football written all over him. We've seen Amari Evans come into games late uh, to get those reps, to get that experience, because I, I think there's a lean on him to get him to be that next number one wide receiver. But if he's ready, great. If he's not, you're going to see Penn State active in the transfer portal again, looking for someone similar to Mitchell Tinsley, that veteran who does have maybe one or two years left of eligibility to have that uh, last season in college football. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. My name is Zach Seiko. Let me know what you think in the comments about the wide receiver position, if you think Parker Washington's going to stay, if you think he's going to go, who you think that next great Penn State wide receiver will be, similar to a K.J. Hamler or a Jahan Dotson, a Deshaun Hamilton, Chris Godwin, and what have you in recent memory. Coming up next on this episode, episode your Tuesday edition we are going to talk some Penn State men's basketball how Micah Shrewsbury and the squad have done to this point what they what you can take away from the Charleston Classic and later on in the show we have an update on Penn State wrestling it is locked on Nittany Lions today's episode is sponsored by Upside uh, inflation has us all thinking about ways to cut back whether it's driving less dining out less or buying less from the grocery store we can all agree there is nothing fun about less. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With Upside, I don't have to cut back because I get cash back on every purchase. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business and pay as usual with a credit or debit card and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED with Upside. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen today. Hey, for your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Again, I really appreciate if you're watching on YouTube, giving this video a thumbs up and uh, hitting the subscribe button and the bell for notifications whenever new videos are posted. Uh, but thank you wherever you get this episode. I appreciate you tuning in. Okay, so it, it was fun to talk about the wide receiver position because I think going into next year, that is definitely going to be a position that has probably the biggest question mark, if I'm being honest. Quarterback, do I really even need to say more? We know that running back is a position of strength. Offensive line, surprisingly enough, we haven't been able to say that in nine to ten years here. Uh, defensive line. Linebacker, uh, if Curtis Jacobs moves on, that's definitely something that needs to be looked at maybe in the transfer portal. And then the secondary. Even though Joey Porter Jr. and Jair Brown are moving on, 
the back end is loaded with talent and all those freshmen that are coming in with the class of 2023. But you got guys like Zach Wheatley, Kalen King, Jalen Reed, the list goes on and on for Penn state. So wide receiver is really the only question mark. So uh, something to definitely keep an eye on. Okay. Micah Shrewsbury and Penn state men's basketball five and one to start the season. Overall, they haven't played any big 10 basketball yet. That comes in early December. They open up big 10 play with Michigan state. Uh, but Penn State also finished two and one and third place at the Charleston Classic down in South Carolina. That's really impressive for Penn State. They're also getting a whopping one vote in the AP top 25. Hey, it's something. Someone's giving them some credit thinking that they should be uh, in the top 25. And I am all for it. I do see a lot of potential in this group that was predicted to start 11th in the preseason poll. And I know they haven't faced all the like the all worldly talent, the North Carolinas, the Kentuckys this year, Duke, whatever have you. Uh, the Big Ten's as tough as it gets. I think eight teams will make it into the big dance this year. And Penn State very well could be on the outside looking in, but uh, they could sneak into that top eight uh, when all when they'll position themselves very properly. Let's just say that at the end of the season, they won't they won't be eliminated from competition. Uh, just so soon, they'll make it very interesting. But down at the Charleston Classic, they were they had two wins against Furman and Colorado State, seventy three to sixty eight against Furman and sixty eight to fifty six against Colorado State. Uh, and those are quality wins. Those are teams that are a little ranked higher in the Ken Palm statistics. Uh, they did lose to Virginia Tech, and that was sixty one to fifty nine. So close, but I, I have to say, watching all of those games, especially Virginia Tech and Furman. They had their way in the post. They had their way in the paint, the front court, however you want to describe it. And that's going to be a problem. All three of these teams that Penn State faced are NCAA tournament bound. Uh, Colorado State made it last year. They're a little banged up right now, but uh, they're in position to go again this year. Furman, if they win the Southern Conference, which they are favored to, uh, and Virginia Tech will make a lot of noise in the ACC. So I fully expect all of these guys, all these teams to be around the NCAA tournament, if not in it. Uh, Penn State is going to live by the three-pointer and die by the three-pointer. That is their best asset. They are they are truly shooting lights out, but when they go cold, they can allow teams to pull ahead, and they can also allow teams to uh, catch up like a Furman did. Penn State wasn't shooting so well in the second half, and that's how Furman was able to come back. Uh, they've really slowed down the pace, but they can honestly play at whatever speed they like. I, I think they're ranked 320th in tempo in the Ken Palm rankings, which is pretty uh, characteristic of Micah Shrewsbury squads. Now I admit, I thought they were going to play a lot faster uh, and they showed a little bit of speed in the first couple of games, but I, I think based on matchup, they're going to turn it up or turn it down depending on who they're facing. Uh, but they are playing a lot slower than I anticipated. I thought they were going to play a little faster from what I had gathered. But back to the shooting. I mean, this is one of the best shooting teams that I can say we've seen in recent memory, probably all the way back to the early 2000s. Andrew Funk, Miles Dredd, Seth Lundy, Dalian Johnson, Jalen Pickett. Penn State has options. They all have guys that can fling the ball from behind the arc. And it's not just Miles Dredd, who was banged up with the shoulder injury last year, but still gave it a go. Uh, coming back for his final year of eligibility. But now he has guys that where if Miles Dredd is covered behind the arc, he can dish it to Funk, he can dish it to Lundy, he can dish it to Pickett, Johnson, whoever. Uh, also an important component, if you've watched any of these Penn State games so far, 
They are really good at passing. They're really good at distribution. That helps with a point guard like Jalen Pickett, who just sees the floor so well, both offensively and defensively. And you need a leader like him to facilitate the offense. It runs through him. He knows where to get the basketball. Uh, but all these guys are just so smart. They're so cerebral. The weakness is obviously in the front court. Okay. So yes, cold shooting is going to be a part of that, but they're going to get bullied down low if they really don't have a response. Uh, Furman and Virginia Tech, as I mentioned, had their way down low. When they face teams like Purdue and Michigan, I worry a little bit because we know Zach Eady at Purdue, a great name, by the way, Mr. Eady, and uh, Hunter Dickinson at Michigan. Those guys are absolutely massive, and they will clean up the glass no problem uh, if Caleb Dorsey, six foot seven, is going to be your center, or if you decide to have Evan Mahaffey try to uh, do a little bit of guarding. But what's the plan? How do you counter that? How do you counter someone that's seven foot two, seven foot three plus uh, in the paint when you can't out jump that? Uh, the plan is going to be play, play really fast and tire out the big men because the big men are going to have trouble getting up and down the floor. They are going to get tired out very easily, but I hope it works. Uh, that's just the game plan, uh, but nothing slows down the game like a made basket. So if Penn State's going to shoot those three-pointers, that's going to slow the game down for those opponents. Just just something to be aware of when, when that head-to-head -head series rolls around for Penn State. Uh, the next game is this Friday. It's against Lafayette at home. Lafayette is currently one and four overall. Uh, this is an easy game. It's just another prep win before they get into Big Ten play. Uh, I think they'll win convincingly by double digits. And when that spread comes out, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 20 points, if not more. My name is Zach Seiko, and this is Locked On Nittany Lions. Our final segment, Penn State Wrestling. How did the Nittany Lions do? at the Black Knight Open hosted by Army this past weekend. Some results that you'll be excited to hear. That's all next. Today's episode is sponsored by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, and news and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Or always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. Final segment on this Tuesday edition of Locked on Nittany Lines will be devoted to Penn State Wrestling, the, sorry football, the best sport uh, in Happy Valley. Kale Sanderson's squad expecting to go undefeated this year. Uh, reclaim that Big Ten title, which I have my gripes about the way that scored and why Michigan ultimately won it uh, last season, but Penn State will get that back. They'll reclaim the Big Ten, but most importantly, they won yet another national title. They crowned five national champions last year. And the whole gang is back together, plus some very important additions and just the way kind of like football, though. We'll take a page out of football here. Uh, some youngsters are really developing at this point in the season from what we've already seen early. Now, what else can we say about Penn State wrestling at this point uh, and what we saw at the Black Knight Open? So they wrestled them in a dual meet last year as uh, one. Of course, they won that one. But now they went up to the Black Knight Open hosted at West Point, New York, and they absolutely dominated it. 11 out of 13 Penn State wrestlers placed, and Penn State went 37-10 and 10 overall at the event, including eight majors, three tech falls, and three pins. So the most important results will start at 125. Gary Steen was the runner-up. Uh, he did lose in the championship 4-2. to 
Then we go to 141. And this is where it gets awesome because there were three, count them, three championship bouts where two Penn State wrestlers were in it and got to go head-to-head against one another. Uh, Bo Bartlett was one of them. He's ranked number 11th in the country, and he defeated teammate David Evans. And Evans gave him a fight. They had to go into sudden victory, but Bartlett won 3-1, to and that's why he's the starter. I, I'm really eager to see what Bo Bartlett can do this season. He was the prize recruit a few years back, uh, but he had to wrestle up because that was the opening spot, and that's how good he was, right? And as we know, there wasn't a spot at 141 in the past. Nick Lee occupied that. And how can you take that away from a five-time All-American uh, in Penn State history? But Bartlett's back at his weight that he's comfortable at. And that's just a testament to how talented he is because Penn State felt comfortable putting him into that 149 spot and, and still seeing positive production, even though that's not where he's best slated. He's now back at his home at 141. So I think he can win a Big Ten title and definitely be a competitor. He's already ranked nationally just outside of the top 10, uh, and that will change. He will definitely be in at the top 10 sooner rather than later. At 149, number 23 overall, Shane Van Ness defeated number 14, Johnny Lovett of Central Michigan. Good to see Van Ness uh, get the win at 149 because that weight class has been a question mark. And then 157, how about Levi Haynes defeating teammate Terrell Baraclow 2-1? to one. Haynes is a true freshman. Levi Haynes is a true freshman. That's right. Don't double check that. He is a true freshman, and he got the win. I mean, 157's kind of been another weight class that has been up for grabs as of late. Uh, and if Levi Haynes can slide in, if he's ready, more power to him. Uh, but him and Terrell Baraclow is obviously the starter for a reason, but Levi Haynes gets the best of him here. Now, at 165, kind of the same thing here, the youth movement, and he's ranked. Alex Facundo, prize recruit just a couple years back. He was number one in the country at his weight. He's number 17 now nationally and had no problems defeating fellow teammate Matt Lee in a 10 to two major decision. This guy is a red shirt freshman. So not only do you have the veterans, Carter Storacci, Aaron Brooks, Roman Bravo young and Max Dean, who I'll get to in a second. Uh, you have these, these underclassmen that have just done so well and they're already getting national recognition. Alex Facundo definitely rising to the occasion at this point in time. And then at 197, ranked number one in the country, and that is Max Dean, who transferred over to the team last year. I, I find this one a little disrespectful, to be honest, and I don't know how everything works. There's an upcoming tournament here that actually begins today. It's the NWCA All-Star Classic, uh, which is going to feature Starachi, Brooks, and Greg Kirkfleet. But I'm surprised that Max Dean isn't in this tournament, and he wrestled at Army, but had no, had no issues. Finished 4-0. Uh, and this was Penn State's fifth and last individual title, uh, and he had two pins and a tech fall, so he certainly uh, was not challenged by any means. Uh, he was able to just breeze his way through, uh, and Dean was actually named the tournament's most outstanding wrestler uh, for his efforts, so congratulations to Max Dean, but I think uh, he didn't belong in the Black Knight Open. He belonged at a more prestigious tournament. So what's next for Penn State wrestling? Well, as I mentioned, Starachi, Brooks, and Kirkfleet are all going to participate in the NWCA All-Star Classic that begins today. That is down in Austin, Texas. Uh, and the All-Star bouts actually don't count as official NCAA matches. Uh, and it will not affect their win and loss record uh, or go towards the RPIs as well. 
Uh, now, what does the team do next? Well, on Friday, December 2nd, they're going to be on the road against Ryder. That is when they go back and have a dual meet. And then on Sunday, December 4th, they are going to face Lehigh, and they'll be on the road for that one as well. So they have some time off here uh, with Thanksgiving and everything coming up. But as a team, they are back in action the following Friday, December 2nd. Uh, and before we wrap up the show here, Penn State field hockey made it to the final four of the NCAA tournament. But they came up short. They were shut out by North Carolina, who did go on to win it all. They were undefeated. The Tar Heels were a, a very tough team. You truly ran into a buzzsaw here. So uh, I, I am not shying away from what Sharmarek Curtis was able to do with this Penn State field hockey team. This was certainly a legendary team. Uh, if they were on the other side, I think they would have made it to the championship, but still North Carolina, just too much to handle. And Penn State women's soccer, they lost in the Sweet 16 at Jeffrey Field. That's the home field. They lost to Virginia 3-2 to two in overtime, and, and it was a back-and-forth matchup. It was 1-0 Penn State, then it was 1-1, one one, then 2-1 two to two, two to Penn State, then 2-2, two to two, and then ultimately following uh, falling to the Lady Cavaliers 3-2 to two in overtime. And I thought I had to read this twice because this is an interesting fact about the team. Penn State women's soccer has now made 16 consecutive Sweet 16s. That, you, that is not incorrect. 16 consecutive Sweet 16s for Penn State women's soccer. Erica Dombach is one hell of a coach. She certainly is. Uh, and, and Penn State has seen a lot of success uh, under her leadership. So... Uh, expect them to be back in the Sweet 16 next year since they've already, can we make it 17 in a row? But kudos to them on and an impressive season as well. And they captured uh, their ninth Big Ten title in program history. So what a season for that group. My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks for checking out another episode of Locked on Nittany Lions. Before you go, make sure you subscribe to the show on YouTube. Comment any questions you want me to answer in upcoming episodes about any team, Penn State football basketball, wrestling, hockey, you name it, we'll answer it. James Franklin's press conferences today, I'll react to it tomorrow here on Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with only experts and insights Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.